Hey there, it's Dr. Sophia Satterwhite, founder and CEO of She Heals the World. I'm so happy that you are tuning in to today's episode to hear the top lifestyle and business tips from women entrepreneurs all around the globe. If you found this show helpful, be sure to share it with a friend. That's how our community grows. Today's guest is coming up next. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the She Heals the World talk show. So today I have Yodi joining us, who is a wedding and event planner. And I'm so excited to introduce you to her brand. She has such a beautiful brand and she does such beautiful work. She's been featured in so many different places and on so many different magazines. And she's going to not just share her business with us, but she's also going to share how to successfully land a magazine feature. So Yodi, I'm so excited to have you with us. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Totally. So can you just tell us exactly what you do? Like, give us the background on your business and how you got it started. Definitely. So I got involved in the whole world of event planning at a very young age. Um, My parents migrated here um, in the D.C. area where I'm from in like around like the 60s, 70s. And when I was born, um, they pretty much used to always host a lot of parties and events at the house. So they came from Ethiopia and um, our culture really is surrounded about community and about just togetherness. And they always were that that couple or that household where like people were always in and out of our house. And it was just like a normal thing where I would wake up and people would still be at the house Mm. from the night before. Mm. Um, And I kind of just had this knack for it where like at a young age, they would make me, you know, help with organizing the event. So, you know, whether it's coming up with cute ideas for the guests, um, you know, setting up, little like stations for food or even games like cards are like a huge thing in my household so we would have Mm. like a little area for cards and then also the basement was like the boom boom room where like different (laughs) musicians would come and like literally perform like famous musicians would come and perform till like five o'clock in the morning so Mm. just growing up in that like that culture made me love events. And when I got into college, I was very active in different, um, you know, school organizations, whether it was like Black Student Association, um, SGA, things like that. And I was always the person who was in charge of like our events and our fundraising. They'd always be like, oh, Yodi, you're good at this, so you do it. So um, I kind of just was always planning something. And Mm. I remember my freshman year in college, I was promoting one of our cultural shows and these club promoters were on campus and they were, you know, promoting flyers for club nights. So when they saw me, they're like, hey, what club do you promote? And I was like, oh, I'm promoting the Ethiopian Student Association. And they're like, (laughs) no, no, no. Like, what nightclub? And I was like, oh, I don't do that. They're like, oh, we see you running around. We thought you promoted for a club I'm like no I've never done that like at that point like I had went to clubs um with my friends but I never thought of it like a a money stream or anything like that so Mm -hmm. they offered me um a 
promoter position where, you know, for each person you bring to the club on your guest list, you would get like a dollar. And mm. I remember um, there was this really big club in DC at that time. It was called Dream, which a lot of people know. Dream mm. turned into love, and that's where like Beyonce performed and Gilbert Arenas did like a huge party. All these great celebrities would always host parties there. And I remember um, the owner was like, who's this kid like bringing all these people from George Mason University? And I was like, oh, it's me. Like, I, just, <laughs> I have friends that want to go party and, you know, they're, they've been coming. So it kind of just grew and grew and grew to the point where my friend and I started our own promotion company. And it was called Talk of DC. And we did it for seven years. And it was very, very successful, and I got to meet so many great connections and, like, people through it, and I really learned the art of events, and mm. understanding events are all about people, and about how you treat people, and about how you create this experience where that they, like, they remember, and they want to come back to it over and over again, so mm. after doing that for about seven years, um, while I was, you know, going to grad school, um, I went to grad school uh, for public relations and corporate communications at Georgetown. And then mm -hmm. after that, I worked in architecture for about two years doing business development. Because at that time, I thought I was going to open my own club. So I was like, ooh, well, I want to learn about architecture and how that's going to work. So mm -hmm. I have like the hottest club in D.C. And <laughs> little did I know how much work it really was. Yes. <laughs> um, and how time-consuming uh, owning a club, like a successful club was. So I was like, you know what, maybe I don't want to do this. And my husband, um, my boyfriend at that time, my husband now, he always used to push me to be like, Hey, why don't you get into like, you know, um, weddings? Because I was doing corporate events and social events for like, you know, like BT, Viacom, Verizon, mm. um, different liquor brands like Diageo. So like Ciroc, uh, Johnny Walker, all these other brands. And he was like, well, you're doing a great job for these corporate companies. Why don't you just do stuff for weddings? And I was always so scared of brides. I was terrified. Yeah. Yes. So, um, you know, after a while, you're getting older and you're like, I don't want to be in the club until four o'clock in the morning. Cause you know, after the club, we're having to count money. We're having to, you know, go over all of the details and I'd literally be getting home four o'clock in the morning and then I'd have to wake up early to go to work um, to be there by like 830. So I was exhausted. Mm -hmm. And instead of going through burnout, which I did go through burnout, I said, okay, maybe I should quit my full-time job and pursue something else. Mm -hmm. um, I still wasn't, you know, about that whole like wedding thing. And I was like, ah, maybe there's something else. So I actually was going to open a food truck with my mom. because <laughs> It's so random. And this is, I think, very common with entrepreneurs. Like things yes. come up and we're like, Ooh, this is a good idea. And we'll like mm. completely pivot. But then we're like, wait, there's, there's something that is so important about passion and yes. your purpose. And it was like, I was running away from living in my purpose because events were the thing that I always knew I was great at, but I was just like, mm, I don't know if I want to like jump into the next thing. So mm -hmm. 
when um, my mom and I were planning to get the food truck. Um, again, it was really me trying to push her passion because she always loved to cook. And I thought it was like a really great time. It was like right at the peak of when food trucks were like really cool in like mm. 20, I think it was like 2012 and yes. the beginning of 2012. And I had quit my job. Like I had created a business plan. We had done all that stuff. And we were about to pay for the food truck that we had been like, you know, looking at for a while. And literally like a week before my mom's like, mm, I think I don't want to do it anymore. And I was like, what? Mm. what do you mean? I just quit my great job. Like, <laughs> this, this is not a joke. Like, what do you mean you don't want to do it anymore? We had yeah. been talking about this for months and she was like, yeah you know, I really love my cushy, like she has a really great embassy job. And she's like, I really like this job. And I was just thinking like, what am I doing? Like, no, I need to stay here. <laughs> and I was mm. like, oh my gosh, like I just quit my job thinking we were going to do this. And I've invested yeah. so much, you know, effort into this. Like, are you serious? And she's like, yeah. She's like, you know what? But I believe God has something else in store for you. My mom's super religious and was like, <laughs> everything will work out. Like, you know, don't worry. And mm. I'm just like, I was pissed. I was like, I hey, that may have been prophetic, right? <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, this woman is crazy. Like, she just literally <laughs> tore my world upside down. And um, pretty much, I was like, you know what? I'm not going back to corporate America. Like, mm -hmm. this is a sign. Like, I just, I can't. Um, I am going to take, like, a break for, like, a week. And really, before I jump into, like, you know, looking for another job or, you know, anything, I'm just going to take a break. And yeah. I think that was, like, God's way of telling me, like, hey, you just need to chill out and really look mm. at what you're already doing and see how you can expand on it. So, the funny thing is within that week, I had a friend of mine who reached out and was like, hey, I am looking for a wedding planner um, for my wedding for 550 people. Mm. And I was like, what? I was like, that's a lot of people. And she's like, yeah. She's like, I need you to help me with it because you're Ethiopian. There aren't any Ethiopian wedding planners my husband-to-be is Ethiopian, and I'm Irish-American, so I really need someone who's going to infuse both of our cultures. Mm. And as far as my business, that's kind of our specialty, our mm. luxury multicultural weddings. So mm. when she said that, I was like, you know what? Maybe this is a sign, like... I didn't go out even looking for it. It came to me... I might as well at least try. So I mm -hmm. told her, you know what? It's perfect timing. I actually just quit my job. Um, <laughs> I have a lot more time because I am not doing my club events as much as I was in the beginning where I would do like six club nights a week. Like I was crazy. Wow. Um, and she was like, you know what? I trust that you can do this. Like if you've done events for a thousand people at a club, you know, you can do this. And I know your reputation. I know your work ethic. Like we were friends. So 
she's a strong advocate and she's like, I would love to be like your first client um, and really kind of guide you because she worked at Marriott. So she Mm. had that hospitality background where I didn't really have that. And she gave me so many great like tools and advice on how weddings and like events at hotels are run that Mm. set me up for success from the beginning. So I told her, I was like, okay, if I'm going to do your wedding, I'm going to make it legit. Like I'm going to have like a real company, LLC, like, you know, Mm -hmm. all that website. I was like, give me a week and I will have a contract for you. And she's like, bet. She's like, okay, great. So (laughs) within that week, like I hired a designer for my website, for my logo. Like I had business cards made. I was like, wow. And um, pretty much she hired me late 2012 and her wedding was October, 2013. And by the time I had planned her like wedding that day, I had already done like 10 weddings because it just like, once I put it out there, people, there was a need for it. And I didn't even realize, you know, my clientele was growing. Like people that I had been inviting to clubs for their birthdays or for bachelorettes and things like that, they're getting married. Mm. So while my clientele was growing, I'm growing with them and this huge milestone of weddings and, you know, baby showers and bridal showers and all these like celebrations were happening where it was a perfect intersection for like favored by Yodi events and design where people were like, oh, I know Yodi. I know what she can do. Boom. It's like a win-win. I'm just going to hire her to plan my events. And that's literally kind of how it happened. Um, Very uh, serendipitously. Like it was just like, so yes, ever since then, it's been like eight years now. We've just been growing. Like we do about um, five social events a year, uh, about five to 10 corporate events whether it's like galas, conferences, festivals, um, things like that. And then we do about, about 10 to 15 weddings a year. And, you know, wow. I've expanded the team because before my first year was like crazy. I think I did like 20 weddings by myself. I had like assistance, but I literally was like the main point of contact for everything. So I almost burned out the first year. I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now I'm at the point where I'm like, okay, I really, I really feel comfortable. And I'm so blessed for like all of the great opportunities and the people that have kind of came before me that have showed me the way, but then also have been like so trusting with their memorable moments. So, yes. Yes. That's kind of how it's happened. Wow. And here you are. And so are your weddings in the DC area? Are they uh, global? Are they in the US? Tell me a little bit more about your your service areas. Yeah. So primarily we are in the DMV. Um, mm-hmm. Most of our couples are getting married in DC, Maryland, Virginia. Um, we have done weddings in like Vegas and in New York. Um, and in Egypt, and then also um, in Ethiopia recently. Wow. Winter, yeah. So I'm trying now to really expand our destination 
portfolio mm-hmm. because before, again, I was very nervous of just like growing too fast. And I never want to put myself out there without knowing all the details, especially because mm-hmm. it's someone's special day. Like I don't want to use someone's special day as like a guinea pig. Yes. Um, so now I, you know, after eight years, I really feel confident in expanding to more international um, events. Mm, beautiful, beautiful. And, you know, Yodi, it's very clear how brilliant you are and how ambitious you are and focused on your business and on making an impact. And one thing that you said earlier um, that I think will really tie into uh, the topic today on landing magazine features, because several magazines have picked you up since your business has gotten established, Mm -hmm. is that when you were doing the club events, you mentioned that you were working with big brands even back then. And so I'm wondering, before you even started and had real experience, how did you get on the radar of other big brands early, early in your career? Yeah, again, like, I feel like my success has stemmed from amazing relationships Mm -hmm. and just doing the work, you know. Um, I was introduced to great mentors at a young age um, that had these awesome connections with different brands and once they really saw my potential, they, you know, they set me up and were great at connecting me to the right people. And that's all I think people really need. If you introduce me to someone, that's, that's it. Like Mm -hmm. I'm going to do the rest. I'm going to show out, work out, like work my butt off in order to help them with whatever they can. And also to show my value so Mm -hmm. that they can also do the same thing. And you know, my clients, I always say, are like my biggest advocates. Like, they're the ones who, after we produce, like, a wedding or an event for them, they're the ones that are telling their friends or telling their coworkers and literally getting us new business. Um, mm-hmm. About 60% of our business comes from, like, social media and publications. Um, mm-hmm. And then the rest is all from referrals. So that kind of shows you, I don't do any like, you know, paid marketing or um, any advertising. I remember right in the beginning of my career, I did one ad and that ad did nothing. No. So <laughs> it, it showed, it's like, it showed me, you know what, just putting something out there for at least me, there's mm-hmm. no true impact because there's nothing behind it where people are like, oh, okay, it's a great ad but people didn't look twice because they don't know me or they don't know someone mm-hmm. who knows me and I feel like with my business um it's such a personable business you know yeah. where when you're working in tandem with people um a lot of times people are like yeah you know they joke around they're like yeah are you like someone's therapist during the wedding planning process are you someone's like you know, confidant and best friend. And I'm like, yes, like they, I probably talk to my brides more than they talk to a lot of their friends during the wedding Mm -hmm. planning process, because there's so many details and it really is about trust. Yeah. Um, Trusting the person's judgment. And when I say the person, it's like the planner's judgment, 
because we're guiding the ship. We're mm-hmm. guiding them to that experience of a lifetime that they've been dreaming about or that their families have invested so much effort and money in and they want Mm -hmm. it to be perfect. So um, it's definitely personal. And I think when you're in any industry, you know, relationships really matter. And if you treat people with care and with respect and, you know, just also like, I'm all about good vibes. Like most of my couples, I'm very close with even afterwards where they're still sliding in my DMs about something or, you know, leaving Mm -hmm. comments or um, getting excited when I'm featured or things like that because we become friends afterwards. So Mm -hmm. it's just Mm -hmm. that kind of relationship and that industry. And that's one reason I love the industry so much. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing I know for, for women in business is that we make, we make it feel easy because we're so, um, determined to really do good. And, but as a business owner, we know that everything is not always glorious. And oh, so yeah. I'd love for you to share a little bit on the hurdles that you may have experienced in the building process, because I'm sure that there are some women out there listening and they're like, she is so amazing. Like everything must just be perfect for her. Like she just <laughs> makes the connection and then boom, she gets featured. And that's not me. I have X yeah. hurdle and Y hurdle and I'm never going to start my business because. And so yeah. can you give us a little bit of insight about what hurdles you may have experienced as you've been building? Definitely. I mean, the number one hurdle was really the fact that there weren't any wedding planners in the Ethiopian community before I started, you know, Mm. just in itself, I literally had to educate a whole community on the value of wedding planning. And that itself is like, Ooh, it's like pulling teeth where like people are like, why do I need a wedding planner? You know, like, what do you guys do? Like, you don't make flowers, you don't make a dress, you don't make food. Like, why am I paying you this much money? Right. And it was always so, like, mind-boggling to me because in every other society, it was just, like, normal. Like, everyone's like, oh, yeah, like, I had a wedding planner and, like, wedding planners are great and things like that. So I'm seeing, like, my counterparts being able to book business so easily, you know, and mm. not having to really jump over all those different steps and hurdles when like I am trying to elevate you know the look of multicultural weddings or Mm. just the efficiency of multicultural weddings because there's so much beauty in it you Mm. know and I feel like sometimes it was lost because the families were the ones running around getting prepared and doing all these things where they didn't even get to enjoy like their son and daughter's weddings yeah growing up I saw that firsthand so when it was my time to like get older and think about my wedding I was like wait like my mom is not about to be in the kitchen like cooking traditional food like right before the reception like no that's just not happening like I want her to get hair makeup I want her to get glammed up I want her to be able to enjoy you know hosting her friends and family like this is just as much as my day as her day so Mm. I wanted to give that to my clients. And while we specialize in multicultural, other people were always just, you know, 
either gravitating towards like my personality, my style, my creative process. And it kind of just opened the door for everything. So we've done like Jewish weddings or, you know, African-American mm. weddings. We've done Caucasian mm. weddings. We've done, you know, Mexican and Italian weddings. Like we've done mm-hmm. same sex weddings. Like, and it just kind of, it was great because it didn't put us in a box, which mm-hmm. I'm not the type of person where like, I don't want to be put in a box. Like, yeah, I, I feel like each person has uniqueness that, makes them special and with weddings like that's one thing that you should really deep dive on like what is special to the couple what is special to your families what is special about like your culture and things that you want to infuse in your wedding day because I mean hopefully it's like it's just a one-day thing like no one's yes. like oh you know I'm gonna do one wedding and then like 10 years I'm gonna get married again no this is like one and done yes so, if yes. you're going to do that, like make it worth it. And mm. um, the hurdle of really educating a whole society was the biggest mm. challenge. And then I would also say the lack of diversity at the top. So mm. um, when I got to a point early in my career, I, again, I was very fortunate in making great relationships with like editors at different wedding publishers or um you know knowing someone who would be like hey Yodi you would be great at this event like come to this networking event and that was something I always did like I always Mm -hmm. made time for networking events I never shied away from meeting new people whether they're you know black white Chinese, whatever, if there was like a wedding event, like I wanted to be there if I was available. And Mm -hmm. that really helped with those hurdles of thinking sometimes you're all alone when you're an entrepreneur, you know? Yeah. I feel like people, when they become self-employed, you really do go through that phase of like, damn, I have all this stuff I have to deal with, whether it's accounting whether it's marketing, whether it's just like your operations, whether it's the actual work you're supposed to be doing. And it gets lonely. And I was very lonely sometimes in the beginning of my career because it was like literally just me. And then of course I would have like event day support, but like I wasn't able to afford like part-time staff or full-time staff. And Mm -hmm. I remember my outlet was going to these networking events and mm-hmm. I would talk to other people and be like, I would always ask questions. I'm like, what are, what are some problems you're facing? And some of the problems they faced, I was like, oh my gosh, I wish those were my problems. <laughs> yes. Like, you know, you're always like, oh, it's always green. Like the grass is greener on the other side because mm-hmm. I'm here like trying so hard to land clients to show my value with certain mm-hmm. demographics. And then other demographics, it was so easy where like some of my like you know african-american and caucasian clients would book me like right away because they understand the value where like my own people ethiopians would be like "Eh, i don't know (laughs) and i'm like i literally got into this business for you like what are you talking about (laughs) like asking me for discounts and all that type of stuff and yeah i'll be honest in the beginning i definitely did i was like you know what i'll give you a discount And then after you discount yourself, you know, a few times, then you're like, wait, 
I'm doing so much work. Like sometimes I would be doing more work for them than I would do for other clients. And I was like, that's a disservice to my other clients. Like I'm burning out. So Mm -hmm. I changed that. And I was like, you know what? I'd rather someone say, no, I'm too expensive than me watering down like my value and what my team can do. And that kind of, again, set me up where it was a hurdle in the beginning. I was like, oh my God, I'd like tell my husband, like, no one's booking me. Like, why yeah. am I getting inquiries like I did before or things like that? And he's like, don't worry. These are growing pains. Mm. As a business owner, you, and the great thing is my husband's an entrepreneur too. Yeah. Because I would always come back be like, oh my God, what am I supposed to do? Like, someone is complaining that my contract is too long or like mm. you know, things like that. And he's like, no, like you had a lawyer look that over. It's going to save your butt in case something happens. Yeah. No, it's either they sign it or no. Or and not. I, yeah. yeah. And I've definitely, I've had clients literally walk away because I was so um, strict on certain things. And I'm talking about like great clients where I'm like, Oh my God, it would have been so perfect. Like if I planned their wedding, like they had a great budget or they great things like that. But then they'd be like, Oh no, I don't want you um, to use like certain photos for marketing where I'm like, okay, if it's not that, if you don't want me to use it, there's a fee. Right. They'd be like, Nope, don't want to do it. I'm like, all right. Okay, best of luck. And then I right. see someone else plan their wedding, and I'm like, oh my god, I could have done so much better. You know, mm. <laughs> like you go through those phases where, again, yeah. these are hurdles, but you're like, you know what? It's all right. There's gonna be another one for me, and that's yeah. kind of how I live my life. Like, what's for you is for you. What's not for you is not for you. Like, you have to let it go. Yes, yes, and I absolutely love the standard of self-care that you set for yourself, because that really is what it's about. It's like, I'm not going to allow myself to burn myself out for lower than what I'm willing to accept for compensation, and I'm also not willing to allow myself to get burned out, period, and when you have those standards for yourself, the sustainability of your business increases, and the sustainability of the leadership in your business increases, and so I love that you put those things in place so early, and it really did set you up for success. And so you you are there. You have like landed these features. You've made it. You're creating these amazing events. You've grown your team. And it is because of the woman that you are and the standards that you've set. And so for the other women who are listening, who are wondering, geez, she's been featured in Vogue and here and there. And like, how can I land a magazine feature? How can I get my work elevated like Yodi did? What tips do you have for them? Yeah. So when it comes to publications, I really think the first thing you need to do is like study the publication market. You need to study the publication that you want to submit your events to, or you want them to feature your event. You need to um, understand their submission process. You need to understand the style of events that they want. Like not all publications, you know, want certain weddings. You know, they have a certain aesthetic. And once you understand that, that's like the biggest thing. Because then, you know, you understand the wedding that you're thinking of submitting. Like, okay, when we're planning a wedding, in the very beginning, 
we ask the couple, are you interested in having your wedding featured? If they are, then we start implementing things like a timeline of knowing the deadlines for that publication, like when you need to submit, when they need to have their pic- your pictures and your write-up to this publication by. Um, for example, we submitted a wedding for the first time to Martha Stewart last year. Mm. Before the wedding was even, like, before it even happened, during the planning process, I knew exactly certain things that Martha Stewart Weddings likes. You know, they really like detail shots. They really like um, good cake shots. They like, you know, uh, candid moments. They like light and airy film Mm -hmm. photography, things like that. So if I know that, I'm going to make sure the photographer I'm working with gets those shots. I'm going to make sure that the vendors I'm working with understand, like, before the wedding even happens, like, hey, we are thinking about submitting this wedding to Martha Stewart. This is what they like. Make sure whatever you're doing follows in that thing. And that Mm. really helps that whole submission process because if you're submitting to an editor what they want, it makes their job easier, you know, whereas exactly in the beginning, I think I would submit something just kind of like cold call, like, oh, it's a wedding here, submit it to Munaluchi mm. or submit it to Washingtonian weddings and not knowing if this was even their good fit. Most of the time it was, but I didn't even really cross my mind thinking like, oh, it was a good fit. It was just more like, oh, you know, nice wedding, great publication, submit it, and then they would like it. But then once I actually did the work to learn from other people that were really getting published and they were sharing how to get published, I took notes. You know, I sometimes now I don't even really go through the process of the submission uh, Mm. guidelines. I submit directly to these editors that I have relationships with. Mm-hmm. And that itself has helped so much, you know, mm-hmm. building these relationships where sometimes I would reach out and be like, hey, you know, so and so, what are you guys looking for this season? Like, what is the publication? Like, what type of trends or what type of weddings are you guys even interested in? And, and they would write you back? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, they would write me back. Again, these are people I have relationships with. So all those networking events that I would go to, I'm Mm -hmm. introducing myself to editors, you know, Mm. I'm putting myself out there where I don't think a lot of people do. Mm. They just think, oh, I'm going to cold call or cold email someone and expect them to like respond like quickly. No, if you have a relationship with someone, yeah, they're going to respond. Even me, I get a ton of emails where I'm sure like my virtual assistant is like, girl, like, who are these people? Like, mm-hmm. why are they emailing you? And I'm like, if I don't know them, they go into one pile, you mm-hmm. know, and then I will mm-hmm. get to them later. But if it's someone I know, they're in the more, you know, uh, action, like you have to take care of this right now pile. And that's the same mm-hmm. thing with anyone, I think. So mm-hmm. when you're trying to get your work in blogs and magazines, you have to 
work on your relationships. You have to do the work and understanding what they're looking for. Um, you need to follow them and see the types of weddings they're already featuring and then see like, Hey, what sets you apart? You know, as a multicultural wedding planner, some of these publications, they don't feature a lot of people of color. So by me submitting yeah. these beautiful weddings, they're like, Ooh, this is great. Like, this is what we need because they're not even getting a lot of submissions. Mm. So that already puts me on the top of the list because they need to hit that quota, you know, mm. of beautiful, like black weddings or multicultural weddings. So they're like, wait, we're going to make sure Yodi's client's wedding gets featured. Mm. Um, and then that kind of just grew. Another thing is sometimes social media and viral weddings can really help you. And I don't know how that whole like sauce of going viral is, but I had mm -hmm. one wedding that went viral and it was just, it was catchy. It was um, something that people were like, oh my gosh, like, you did that wedding? Like, I'm like, I've heard, I heard about it on, you know, people. I heard it on this. I heard it on that. And I was like, yeah, like it was so random. It wasn't even like a, a crazy production of a mm. wedding. It was just the story of the couple that really caught wind of people. And the wedding I'm talking about is the prince that the girl met the guy at the club and he happened to be like the grandson of, an emperor who had passed away in Ethiopia. And it was like this big thing, like New York times wrote about them. And I knew mm. about that. Like we knew New York times was going to come feature the wedding because mm. it was more of like a cultural piece. That's all we thought it was. But yeah. once they posted it, like after the wedding, I had went to Amsterdam to visit my friend and like in the middle of the night, like people are like blowing on my phone, like, girl, you in Vogue, you in this. I was like, what? Like, <laughs> Like, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. And it just like catapulted to a whole nother thing where I'm like, oh, wow. So this is how stuff goes viral. Mm. Uh, I mean, since then, I've never, I haven't had like another wedding go as viral as that. And yeah. I don't think anyone has, like, it was just crazy. Yeah. Um, but it was definitely fun to experience. And it was, again, something that opened people's eyes to my company people checked out our website we got an mm -hmm. influx of inquiries and um it was mm -hmm. super fun you know just mm -hmm. to see that but now I understand that you have to do the work in creating these relationships with editors and um I think that's like the number one tip I would tell people when you are trying to submit like always think of it like going backwards so like before you have the event do the work create a timeline where the photographer is going to have enough time to shoot all those details that yeah. a publication wants um yes. you know things like that so build the media strategy in from the beginning is is what i hear you saying yeah and the, the networking piece, I think this could be an interesting question for you because since you're in the events world, I know that there are so many women, a lot of the folks who are listening are virtual entrepreneurs as well, and they want to get out and network and meet magazine editors and go to different fairs and events so that they can create in-person relationships. Is there mm -hmm. any place that you would recommend people look to find networking events with magazines or various publications where people can kind of get their name out there a little bit more? 
I definitely think Instagram is a great place for just keeping your ear to the streets. Like everyone has an Instagram page. And now I'm seeing more people are posting information, flyers, details on their Instagram feed or their stories versus even their websites. Mm-hmm. And because of just technology, it's so much easier to connect with people where you could just like slide in the DMs of someone if they allow it, you know, like there's certain mm-hmm. privacy levels, but I've seen like this one entrepreneur friend I know, she constantly would follow people that she wanted to connect with and would be in their comments, would be in their DMs, would send them stuff. So like a lot of people that have products, you send your products to these people. That's like the Mm. best way to create a relationship. So I would tell people use Instagram to connect with these like magazines or magazine editors and really create that relationship or, you know, saying like, Hey, can we do a zoom call or, you know, things like that, where again, when you're doing a zoom call, don't expect it to be an hour, you know, 15 minutes. Right. Um, Right. Right. There's nothing wrong with at least asking. You might not get 100% response rate, but Mm -hmm. there might be one person out of the 10 editors that you reach out to that might say, yeah, sure. Like, you know, I'd be happy to get on a quick Zoom call or something like that. Yeah. And one thing that, that you just said, Yodi, is that folks who are, I mean, at some point outside is going to open back up. And yeah. if you're looking at connecting with editors and you're following them on Instagram, one thing that you can probably do is look at their stories and look at their posts and see what events they're going to. I mean, almost yeah. everybody posts about where they are and what they're doing. And then you can say, okay, that editor was at this event. On this date, next time that event comes up, I'm going to be there. Or I'm going to Google the name of that event and see if there are other events like that where I can meet other people. And, uh, I mean, I think that there has to be an intention behind um, putting yourself out there. It's not just going to happen overnight. You have to really be intentional about networking and going out there and following people and inserting yourself into those circles so that you are... Uh, discovered and can start to develop those relationships. So that is is super helpful, giving us your perspective on that and how you kind of did it as well. And so I'd love for us to just reflect on if you could look back and give your 10-year younger self any piece of advice, what would it be? I would definitely have told myself to um, not dwell in when like someone says no Mm. and the reason I say that is because in like the beginning of my career when I did get people like inquiry and like inquire and then I would send them a proposal and when they're like "Mm," I decided to go with like another planner or um you know I'm doing it myself it would break my heart and I'd be like heartbroken for like a couple of days and my husband's like what is wrong with you like it's okay like this is normal this is business And Mm. I wish I could tell myself, even at an earlier age, like if things don't go wrong or don't go right, it's not the end of the world. Um, It's sometimes a blessing in disguise where, Mm. especially in weddings, a lot of the weddings that did not go my way, 
have been a blessing where like afterwards I'm like, I'm so happy. I did not get this wedding. Either they were a crazy client or it wasn't good timing or like there are a number of things where I'm like, wow, like I didn't even realize the blessing of not getting it. And then also just realizing that, um, like your value, I think Mm. that sometimes as women, we forget all of the experience and all of the stuff that we've gone through where we second guess ourselves, where we think like, should we discount this? Or should we try to like, you know, dim our light um, for another person's benefit, things like that. And I wish I could just told like my younger self, it's like, no, shine brighter. Like, Mm. don't let the don't let naysayers like get in the way of your happiness your success like any of those things um don't let a relationship get in your way of success um and just kind of go for it no matter what there are people that are going to say no I was blessed to have parents that were very supportive in me going full-time and like quitting a great job Mm. um but I know that a lot of people don't have that luxury, you know, they sometimes struggle with even feeling like, damn, I'm a fraud because I'm working this nine to five, but my, my true passion is something else. And I don't say like, I wouldn't say quit your job like I did, (laughs) but um, (laughs) I would definitely say like, create a plan. If you are really not liking your job, create a plan where you can sustain yourself for like six months. If you can save money for six months, try and start a business while you're still employed Mm. and see how that works. And then like quit your job and go full time and see, you know, once you're at that level, pursue it and see how it makes you feel. Because even though I, love what I do. I work more hours than I did at my nine to five, you know, Mm. I have responsibility now as an entrepreneur than I did at my old job, you know, um, Mm. some, some months I'm making more, some months I'm making less as an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. It's like that up and down, you know, Mm -hmm. if you feel like, Hey, I feel comfortable getting a, like a monthly check. I know exactly how much money I'm going to make. Like that helps me not get stressed out. Entrepreneurship might not be for you mm-hmm. because I also went through that whole like roller coaster phase and not understanding like, oh my God, is this normal? And again, like having my husband and other people tell me like, oh girl, this is normal. Like you just need yeah. to properly save. You need to get like your money in order. You need to get QuickBooks. You need to just manage a lot more where before you're just getting a check that goes into your account you know, you got auto pay for everything. You are just chilling. When you have your own business, you see how much money comes in, but then also like how many, how much expenses you have too. Mm. Um, you know, and thinking about like your lifestyle, like healthcare, there's so many things that people don't realize when they are like, Oh, I want to like become an entrepreneur. It looks so glamorous. And I'm like, Yeah, it's really not like, Mm. you know, if I had the time to like have behind the scenes footage of everything I do, like people would be like, damn, this is a lot like, 
you just, you look tired. And I'm like, I am. (laughs) I'm just tired. I'm like, I don't want to get up, but you don't even have the luxury of not getting up. It's like, okay, I get up because I want to get paid. If I don't get up, that's a check that's probably not going to get, you know, cleared Mm. or something like that. So Mm. those are all the different things that as a young person, especially now, you know, the younger generation is so used to like instant gratification. They want stuff fast, 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 but they don't realize the work that goes into it. I would tell young people to like, do your research, slow down, like don't rush everything um, and really do the work so that the success is even sweeter. Because Mm -hmm. once I'm like, once I started listening to more podcasts and listening to more interviews of successful people and you actually hear the struggle and the stuff that they had to sacrifice to get where they are you're like wow no no wonder they're living the life of their dreams right now because like for 10 to 15 years they put the blood sweat and tears in everything that they had and that's why now they lose the benefits Yodi, this has been such an amazing time. I thank you so much for giving so many tips and telling your beautiful story. I would love for our audience to know how can they find and support your work? Yes, no, this is awesome. Uh, I hope this can give someone just a little inspiration to finding what their true passion is um, and living in their purpose. People can find me um, on all social media. So in, I'm mostly on Instagram at favored, F-A-B-O-R-E-D by B-Y, Yodi, Y-O-D-I-T. And then they can also um, visit our website at www.favoredbyyodi.com. Awesome. Yodi, thanks so much for coming on the show. And I can't wait to have you back. Thank you. Well, there you have it. Thanks so much for listening to the show today. And as always, for more resources, as you continue to live out your beautiful mission of healing the world and grow your beautiful business, you can head to www.shehealstheworld.com forward slash freebie to see what new resources I have in store for you. Thanks for listening. Tell a friend. And I can't wait to see you at the next episode.